Live from the WSX shelter in Somerville, Massachusetts. Sound the alarm, duck and cover. It's time for the Wrestle Boy Social Explosion. everybody, welcome to Russell Boy's Social Explosion, the retrospective rewatch mini-podcast where we take a look back at the ill-fated MTV wrestling show, Wrestling Society X. I am the man that brevity forgot, Gabriel Clark, joined by me, as always, is my co-host, the one, the only, Simply Zalp, Zach Blaze. Zach, how are you today? I'm good. I don't know if it's fair to say, as always, because this is the first time we're doing this, so... I appreciate, well, I appreciate your confidence. I'm trying to, me. I'm trying to create a sense of consistency. You know, we, we, you know, these people, they may want to come back. They may not necessarily, you know, shut this off as soon as it starts up. As soon as they hear my intro, I'm trying to be positive about this. I think it's, it's, it's nice of you to think of quality because I'm not convinced that the folks at Wrestling Society X did. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily at all. And we're here to break it down for you. This is the first episode of what is, well, as I said, a mini podcast. We're going to take a look back at the 10 episode first season and series of Wrestling Society X, uh, which we'll go through the history of first, kind of give you a brief requiem of what we're contextually dealing with here. Uh, and then we'll jump right into a recap of the first episode, the pilot of Wrestling Society X. You see, the story begins in 2005 when a man named Kevin Kleinrock, he owns a, a production company called Big Vision. They approach MTV and they do something pretty extraordinary for them in 2000s. They pitch the first non-syndicated wrestling television show. So I'm... I, I wasn't familiar with this. Can you go into more detail about what non-syndicated means with respect to sure, yeah. wrestling, specifically? So, so, when you syndicate a TV show, normally it's um, a scripted uh, affair, it's run its course, it's done, and they just need something to fill in a time slot that not many people are necessarily watching. So you just kind of throw it on, it's not produced by the network usually. With regards to wrestling... You you see nowadays you have the production company is fronted by the wrestling coalition. That's why when you watch a WWE program, even if it's on USA Network, it's got their logo, it's got their intro first because it's their production team. USA will regulate what content can and can't go on there, but largely it's it's Vince McMahon and his team producing the episode and giving it to USA. So this was the first time that a production company had gone to a network and say, we want you to make the show and we will help you do that. Which hadn't really been done before. MTV had gotten its toes wet in syndicating back in the territory days with NWA and Jim Crockett promotions and WWF. But this was the first time that a TV company, Viacom owns MTV, obviously. MTV was the one producing the show. Of course, we have nowadays, we have NXT we have uh, Lucha Underground. We have all of these different examples of this. But Wrestling Society X was kind of the, the show that did it first. So MTV agreed to film the pilot in February 2006. The pilot went over well. MTV said, here's $3.5 million, make us a show. Now, when you break that down, you break down $3.5 million over 10 episodes. That's three hundred fifty k per episode. And that sounds like a lot of money, right? I, that is... In my opinion, a lot of money. It's more money than any of us will ever make, right? It's, I hope that's not the case. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you you break that down and you you for especially for a wrestling show you have to consider they have to pay appearance fees they in some cases have to pay for flights they have to reserve the space they have to pay the editing team obviously they got to pay all the video crew they got to pay for the musical appearances because this is NTV they had a musical guest every episode of Wrestling Society X, so you had to pay for those. That stretches the money out rather thin, and um, you'll as we'll uh, as we break this down, you'll come to realize that that is sorely the case, absolutely sorely the case. But it's not all bad because on paper, you have talent from Ring of Honor, you have PWG, you have. In some cases, from Canada, from Japan, you have all of this different talent from all over the world showcasing different styles of wrestling. On paper, this show was supposed to succeed, and it was supposed to introduce wrestling to a whole new slew of people. And you mentioned Japan, which is interesting, because we're seeing Japanese wrestlers who are celebrated for being wrestlers and not... Racist stereotypes, right? Yeah. So that's it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff that WSX does really well. Yes. I, I'm not going to say that they are a great wrestling show, but there is a lot of stuff like that where you see wrestlers from all over the world. You know, it's it's not like the Mountie or you know Kayentai where their gimmick is that they're a different nationality and that's funny. <laughs> yeah, like like kind of what they're doing with Jinder Mahal right now. Yeah, to date to date this episode. And you had mentioned Japanese wrestling. Uh, this was the first. American television show to feature Dragon Gate. Uh, there is a tag team that will come to be introduced to in episode two for Dragon Gate, which, if you haven't watched yet, is a very fast-paced, uh, spot-filled, the complete antithesis to a program like New Japan in terms of the style and the execution of their of their program. And I, I, I think... I, I watched this live. Like, in 2006, I was an angsty 16-year-old watching this. I was under um, the impression that you had like flown out to MTV Studios and you were like an extra. I was I was one of the people. plants in the WSX arena. <laughs> um, watching Team Dragon Gate in Wrestling Society X was phenomenal to me. You know, being somebody who grew up on like late WCW and then WWE after like 2002. Like the the Dragon Gate team is a style of wrestling that I just never I didn't know it existed. So what you're saying? is that Wrestling Society X was meant to be a program that may not necessarily tell the best story, but was supposed to be a solid alternative to shows like WWE and TNA. I don't know if I want to answer that right now, because we're, we're going to get into that later, I think. I think once we get to the end of this podcast, we can revisit that question. Yeah. And who, who is Wrestling Society X for? That's a great question to keep in mind. Um, it confuses philosophers to this day. (laughs) And um, I think we can talk a little bit at least about the problems that the show had, uh, because once you watch it, once we begin to describe it to you, it'll become apparent to the audience that this was meant to be a longer program. When you think about the time that it takes to tell a proper wrestling show, uh, you think one hour, two hours for SmackDown, one hour for like TNA and NXT... MTV gave Wrestling Society X 30 minutes. Now, with advertising, that's 11 minutes gone. You have 19 minutes to make a compelling wrestling show. And, and just to, to put that in perspective, 
the entirety of Wrestling Society X is about three hours of content. It is all the, of it. The length of an episode of Monday Night Raw. A single episode of Monday Night Raw is the entirety of Wrestling Society <laughs> X. Um, and we see that during the show. Like, there is not a second wasted. And we'll, we'll get back to that later in this episode. So with that being said, let's get right into the beginning of Wrestling Society X. We hear the heavy metal intro, and we're taking down this, like, animated, like, Harry Potter post-apocalypse alley. <laughs> it's, it's Harry Potter if Harry Potter didn't win the Wizard War. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but I, I believe that's a thing. The Wizard War. The Wizard War. So you see these images, and it's just, you can tell that it's just footage from later on in the episode because they didn't even bother to edit it <laughs> it's just they plaster it on the wall and then you cut to this guy who's like looking to buy you drugs and then you sneak past him and you get to this other poster and it's a guy being choke slammed and then it cuts immediately to what looks like a community production of rent <laughs> for a stage and with a ring in the center and immediately we are introduced to our commentary team we are introduced to our commentary team who i am going to describe as one, the love child of Dean Ambrose and Jeremy Borash, Chris Kloss. And two, uh, I believe Jacob from Twilight? <laughs> uh, Brett Ernst. Brett Ernst. You can tell he's Jacob from Twilight because he looks like he has no idea where he <laughs> is or what he's doing. But he's he reads he reads words good, and he reads them so good. He does, he does his suitable job. He does. And I don't think the commentary is very important. And again, we're, we're going to come back to this again and again. It is worth mentioning that the arena is really well designed for what this is supposed to be. Like, this is sure MTV 2006. It's supposed to be, you know, you've got Black Label Society, you've got 36 you've you've got all these... Semi-underground? Yeah. And the arena fits, except for the audience who looks like they, got they just got out of, like, a casual church, maybe. They're, like, going to the mall to do their Sunday shopping. Yeah. And then they were like, hey, do you want $50? Can you stand here for a couple hours? Yeah. They're like, oh, this is kind of dirty. They, I don't know. Like, you can see Black Label Society. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool. And then they lock the doors behind them. And they make them watch them. <laughs> like, um, but things like, you know, there's little touches. There's no mats on the floor. There's duct tape on the ring, like, holding it together. It's, it makes it really look like what they're going for. And I, I think that's... That's something that Wrestling Society X did really well. It's got a feel to it. Right out of the gate, we are also introduced to our main event of the show, uh, which is the inaugural WSX Rumble. And we are introduced to the stipulation of two contracts hanging above the ceiling, not in like a suitcase. Yeah, they spent all the budget so they couldn't afford suitcases. So it's just kind of two what look like diplomas, maybe? Yeah, like... Kind like of rolled up into a chain Acceptance letters to Hogwarts, just kind of dangling <laughs> above these chains above the ring. So there's kind of a ladder stipulation to it, but we will come back to this. Oh, the, we will come back to this. The rules are just, are just a delight on their own. But uh, it's time to get introduced to our ring announcer. My love. Our lord and savior... <laughs> Fabian Kalen. Fabian Kalen. Who just cannot sit still for more than two seconds. He's, he's like strutting around the ring like he's on an angry afternoon constitutional and he's just screaming. He's screaming into this lowered microphone. And here's, here's just a clip of what, your first impression of this guy. begins 
<laughs> so you can tell that he's gone on to do some amazing ring announcer work in other coalitions. No, he's doing something for WWE because that's kind of where all roads lead to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he got work because he's I, I, he's so good. He's, he's terrible, but he's so he's, good. It's it's and it's keeping in line with the tone of the show, the atmosphere, what they're trying to go for. So one thing I wanted to mention is that as Fabian Kalen goes into his opening spiel to kind of hype the audience up, we get the crawl at the bottom <laughs> that says, Warning, the following acts you are about to see are stunts performed by professionals. Please do not try this at home. But the timing of it makes it look like it's lined up with Fabian Kalen. So it's like, <laughs> warning, do not do what this guy is doing. What is this guy doing? This Don't guy let him... is an idiot. Like... <laughs> He's a danger to himself and to others. Just, and it's funny, because he, he is super... Like, he's almost as much energy as some of these matches. And that's not knocking these matches. He is... You you have to watch him on YouTube. He is super Saiyan. Actually, no. Let me... Don't watch it on YouTube. Go on Amazon. This The entire season, the entire Wrestling Society X saga is like 20 bucks. It's it like $20 on Amazon. Support the show, please. It's the only way that you can see uh, the unaired 10th episode. I will go into the airtime here. Wrestling Society X debuted in the summer of 2006 to a solid 1.0 share, which, pretty is, good. which is about what TNA was doing at the time. And this in was 2006? Like, which is good TNA. When, like, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe are having a five-star match. Yes. Um, the second week, 0.6. Oh. The next week, 0.2. Oh. Episode four, canceled. You're oh. done. That's it. Uh, they have six more episodes to air, so they put them on at, like, what, three it's in like the morning? three in the morning or something, They yeah. air episodes five through nine in a season finale, in a marathon at 3 a.m., when they know nobody's gonna watch it, and then they just didn't air the tenth episode. So, before we are introduced to the main event, we have, uh, Zach Wilde from Black Label Society making his way up to the commentary booth. It's a three-man team, two-and-a-half-man team, as we've come to find, <laughs> Um, Unfortunately, we couldn't get Charlie Sheen. It might have been better. The match is comprised of Matt Seidel being accompanied to the ring by his girlfriend, Lizzie Valentine. Uh, And Lizzie Valentine is kind of playing up this preppy character. We get the impression that Matt Seidel's got to be the heel. He's sort of prim and proper, like sculpted. He's got the nice ring gear. And then... From, like, the discount sting rafters of the WSX stage... Hailing from slightly above ground level. <laughs> ...is, like, discount Eminem painter Jack Evans? Yeah, I, I think our impression... And it took us a little bit to figure this out. Um, Jack Evans seems to have been in a rap battle in, like, a paint store. Sure, yeah. And he kind of got a sick burn. He kind of waved his hand and knocked some paint onto him. <laughs> he got some varnish. Because he's, he's got, <laughs> like, this red shirt. And it's just covered in something. I don't know what it is. And, it, and like, these baggy shorts and, like, these, like, J's. Like, these Jordans or whatever. These Those knockoff Jordans. And he does this really cool side flip off to the ring. Now, this was if this was any other situation with Matt Seidel and Jack Evans, who are obviously two very, very talented high flyers, mm-hmm. this would be a totally different situation. But we have this scrappy babyface Jack Evans against this preppy heel Matt Seidel... And they have a really good three and a half minute match. And you have to remember, like, 19 minutes. You have 19 minutes of programming and the clock is ticking. Yeah, so, I mean, it may not be, like, the most compelling story, but it's like a good popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the movie and turn your brain off, eat the popcorn. This is this is what WSX was supposed to be. Yeah, you're, you're not going to learn anything from this match. It's, it's a spot fest. 
But it's really good, and it's, it's enjoyable. There's some interference from Lizzie Valentine. She tries to get involved. Uh, the commentary team spend way too much time talking about Lizzie Valentine instead of the match and her wandering eyes. Mm, yes, because this is 2006, and women, am I right? <laughs> 2006 MTV, We, I think that'll be a recurring theme. <laughs> 2006 MTV. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so weird that they would use the term wandering eyes to try and, and be misogynistic about this woman because literally everybody's eyes wander. That's yeah, what well, they do. So I, I think they were going for the angle, because Jack Evans wins the match. Good for him. Um, he hits a beautiful Tornado DDT. He hits the 630 Sentin. Yes. Um, I think what they wanted was for Lizzie Valentine to be kind of ogling Jack Evans, but she didn't quite hit the mark on that. So she was just kind of looking at him. And commentary seems like, oh, she's a woman, just checking him out, gonna go fuck or whatever. Um, it's, it's just it so fucking stupid. It's, it's like, it's not necessary if you don't have the time to tell the story. Right. You know, just, just like, have her interfere and be like, oh, his girlfriend doesn't want him to lose. Like, like that's it. That's That works well into the story. But to be fair, um, again, going back, we this is like a three and a half minute match. They don't have time to tell a story. They do a pretty good job. Mm. Like, the first thing that happens is Jack Evans comes in and shoves Matt Seidel, and it really establishes, like, there is a rivalry. Yeah. In the first two seconds, you know that they don't like each other. Like, if, if I was somebody who had never watched wrestling before, who watched this, finish this match all the way through, I would say, you know what? I want to see more like this. This <laughs> is... I, I, know, I have no idea what's going on, but gosh, that was fun. Yeah. I want to see more. So I think that they did... That was a good first foot forward for WSX. So at this point, uh, we're introduced to some of the, I don't want to say illustrious, for I mean, all of them at least. Some some people would say illustrious, like in the sense that like the room is an illustriously bad movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, uh, here, here's a little, this will, this will be a game for our listeners. Which of these teams is illustrious and which is not? So we, we start with uh, Keep It a Gangster, which is Ruckus and Baby Slim. That's, uh, uh, that's I I didn't recognize either of them. I believe they're both deathmatch guys. Ruckus, I believe, was in CCW for a while, so okay. deathmatch seems to fit the bill. Um, I think a lot of people in Wrestling Society X are deathmatch guys. Just as a note, I think I'll take this next one here. Please do. <laughs> we have Difh doing it for her. Get ready for an emotional explosion is the accompanying subtext. That is the PowerPoint slide for this team. Doing it for her comprises of Jimmy Jacobs, who is now a writer for WWE. My my super gay crush. Your super gay crush. My my 16-year-old libido-filled. <laughs> rocking the, the pink-dyed hair. He's got the soft boy face. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to hurt anybody. We're not going to make this into like a... a we're a gonna slash ma- fic podcast, but we'll leave that for another episode. Um, and then he is accompanied by... Future WWE Champion Seth Rollins as Tyler Black in what looks to be like, not listening to like mall emo, but like the slight tier above that. So he's not quite My Chemical Romance. He's like, bullet for my Valentine. Yeah. Like, like he stopped going to Spencer's and now like exclusively lives at Hot Topic in the mall and... Definitely has his MySpace up to date. Like they look super 2007. Yeah, and we'll we'll see their dynamic later. Um, Tyler Black is kind of the angry, like 
Mom, I want to. I want to borrow the van. Mom, mom. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his arms. He's got his arms crossed, and he's like rolling his eyes at Jimmy Jacobs, who's like doing like the flower pose, and he's kind of looking up and smiling at him. He's yeah. the the supportive. <laughs> hey, man, it's okay. Friend, we'll yeah, get, we'll get him next time, Tyler. Shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm gonna say this is one of those illustrious teams because I believe. This is in the lead up to Age of the Fall and Ring of Honor. Oh, which that's I right. Loved. That's right. Uh, so definitely two guys who are like part of the like the second golden age of Ring of Honor. Yes, after Pumpkin. And then, <laughs> oh my god, we are greeted by the Trailer Park Boys with a Z, fighting for the American dream. A sweet double wide. I feel like this was like MTV's attempt at trying to do something like because at the time the big show in Canada was Trailer Park Boys, mm. and it was like. An office-style, absurdist, reality-TV-styled comedy that was... I mean, it was scripted, but it was filmed in such a way that it didn't feel scripted. It's like The Office. They'll cut a promo in the next episode that I think <laughs> best tries to replicate that style of comedy. So I think are, tries is a good word. Tries though. is a very good word. We're finally introduced to uh, Team Dragon Gate from Japan. Yes. The team is comprised of Dragon Gate veterans Horiguchi and Yoshino, who I believe are both still active in Dragon Gate. They put on a great match in the second episode. We'll come back to them. Mm. And now it's time for us to meet some of the, the participants in the WSX Rumble, because our main event is next. 19 minutes. 19 minutes and we are going. So, yeah, we get a bunch of promos. They're all about, like, ten seconds, maybe, each. Not even that, probably. We get Just Incredible, who I believe has been floating around since WCW died. Yeah. I think at this point, he's now... I, I should say, now today, he's um kind of floating from failed ECW reunion to failed ECW reunion. <laughs> um, here, he does the thing. He says he's going to be Just Incredible, and he... And yeah, he, like, give, he gives... He, he does the crotch chop he points to his pee pee. He, he gestures like an air traffic guy to his ding dong. Put the plane in my dick. Yes. Like that sort of deal. Um, we get a two for here. We go for a second ECW veteran, Hamrick. I didn't know who that was. He was an ECW. He was not friends with New Jack, who was our third participant. In the beginning of our <laughs> brand new segment for Wrestling Society X, which we like to call What, what the Fuck, fuck is, is New Jack, Jack Doing Here? here? <laughs> like, just. Of all the guys you would get for a, a wrestling television show, the biggest scumbag... Now, let's... I don't want to say scumbag because he might be listening and could kill me. That's... that's. Um, I mean, I said it, not you, so okay. I would die. So thanks for putting my life at risk. Well, I mean, I have a porch he could be climbing up, and you know that, so... That's true. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's got a reputation for, I want to say, being difficult to work with. <laughs> I mean... Needs very little introduction. If you know anything about wrestling, you might have come across the mass transit incident, uh, the incident where New Jack was in a ring with like a 67-year-old man and nearly beat him to death while half a dozen people in a bar watched. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to go into the details here because it's gross, but if you want to do the research, go ahead. Uh, so anyway, what the fuck is New Jack doing here? He's yelling at Hamrick. He's yelling at Hamrick and he gives him a push out of the Out, out of the frame. frame. <laughs> and he... I feel like this is the most consistent story in the episode because he does he he gets up in his face and he's like, we don't know what he did, but New Jack is pissed and he's gonna kill him for it. So New Jack pushes uh, Hamrick out of frame. That promo's over. We go to Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart, graduate of the Hart Dungeon they and do, garbage yeah, man. Yeah, they do, and they do mention the Hart Dungeon, which good for them. Like 
If you're a wrestling fan, you know that that's a big deal, even though it's known mostly for, like, Brett and Owen peeing on each other, I believe. <laughs> I think that's in Brett's book. Yes. But if you know about wrestling, you know that's a big deal. And if you don't know about wrestling, it's called the freaking Heart Dungeon. Who trains in a dungeon? It's rad. So Swe- good for them for mentioning it. Sweaty, gross Canadians. So Teddy Hart gives a quick promo. Uh, we're introduced to Chaos and Aguilera. Aguilera wants to talk to the Mamacitas. He's got the Mamacita on the phone. He's and that's like whispering not, sweet nothing. Yeah, and that's not like a dog whistle from us. That's that's like what the show is going to call them for the next three hours of programming. They and are the Mamacitas. So Chaos barrels into frame, and he's very visibly upset. He's yelling at Aguilera. He wants his support going into the match because apparently Chaos is a needy tag team partner and just craves the validation and support of his partner rather than just working with him. Mm-hmm. So they have an argument. Um, I believe Aguilera says, you have your ways of focusing. I have mine, which has some weird implications. Mm-hmm. So that's everybody we're going to meet. We'll see. We, we haven't seen everybody yet, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment because it's time for the WSX rumble. Here are the rules. We're given a very helpful PowerPoint presentation on the rules. Um, and I'm going to read them verbatim. Wrestlers 1 and 2 start the match, uh, which is a good place to start. I'm happy with that. Having two guys in the ring is important. Uh, the next stipulation is a new wrestler will enter every 45 seconds. Start your timers, because it's going to be so accurate. I mean, it's important to understand that, like, normal time does not exist in the same rule structure as, like, WSX time. Yeah. WSX time, 45 seconds could be anywhere between 3 and 20 like, it, it, things it's, happen yeah. very quickly, so just pretend it's 45 seconds. I And, and like, I, I know the Royal Rumble isn't timed that closely, but this, it, this you watch ridiculous. this match and you'll see what we're talking this about. This gets ridiculous. Once all ten men have entered, the two contracts will be in play. Which means they will be slightly lowered <laughs> from their chains. <laughs> They'll be lowered about six inches from the ceiling. <laughs> Which makes this a ladder match. It is a ladder match. Um, wrestlers are eliminated if they are thrown over the top rope and onto the floor. There is no mention of both feet having to touch, but we can just kind of assume that's how it would be. Yeah, we don't know how Shawn Michaels would do in this match. Luckily, it doesn't come into play. Um, what I thought when I was a 16-year-old child growing up on Vince Russo WCW and then early 2000s WWF WWE is that there's got to be only one person remaining, and they're going to grab both contracts, and this is going to be like an Al Snow versus Al Snow <laughs> deal. When he, I think he won, he wanted to defend the hardcore title, and nobody wanted to challenge him, so he like snapmared himself through some tables. <laughs> By the way, if you've never seen that before, it's on YouTube. It's very good. I just, I'm just in disbelief. Yeah, so that's the rules. Uh, we get the announcers telling us very excitedly. We've got tables. Live electrical wires and a steel cage rigged with explosives. There has never been a match like this before. And the crowd goes mild. They're so uninterested. They're so hungry. They've been locked in this warehouse after the Black Label Society concert. They were promised to be fed and there's no food. It's so warm because they're all wearing sweater vests. (laughs) The good news is Fabian Kalen is so excited. He's so fucking ready. He is ready. He has the energy for everybody in this arena. Determine the first ever Wrestling Society X 
Unfortunately, his voice doesn't hold up at the end there, but we'll 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 let it go. At this point, we're introduced to number one. It's just incredible wearing a Black Label Society shirt. Get gotta, that swag. Proud of you. Gotta get the plug in there. Get the plug. Get the swag. Free t-shirt. I'm into it. So each wrestler in this match gets their own little PowerPoint introduction slide, which right. I like. He is billed as an 11-time ECW and WWF champion. What that means is he is a one-time ECW champion... He's a two-time ECW Tag Team Champion, and he is an eight-time WWF Hardcore Champion. Uh, For reference, that title existed for about four years. It had 240 reigns. The average was about five days. Uh, WrestleMania 2000, there were ten title changes in 15 minutes alone. Just Incredible never held the belt for a period of more than 24 hours at a time. That is ridiculous. So, like... I mean, it looks, technically, it's true. On paper, it looks great. Yeah. It looks great for like, oh man, he's won a bunch of times, and he also has the credit of having ECW chance piped in because uh, <laughs> nobody in the audience knows who this guy is. And ECW had its revival on Sci-Fi right around this time. Yeah, so I need to check the date. This may have been taped before WWE CW started, and then aired afterwards. So they may have put this in post. Uh, so then we have our second entry, number two, Teddy Hart. Hailing from the home of Jack Evans, slightly above ground level. He, uh, he makes a less impressive descent down to the ring. Uh, he is billed as a Stampede Tag Team Champion. Uh, which, which is true. I mean, it's also the coalition that the Hart family started, so that's, I mean, you, that's a freebie, essentially. Vince McMahon is a, is a WWF champion. It is important to note that Teddy Hart establishes his character by throwing a cup into the ring and then materializing, thanks to the surefire editing team, to the barricade to make sure that they filled their time slot. Much like time is not uh, analogous in the WSX arena to our time, uh, neither is space. Space and time have collided and torn apart. So with that being said, the bell rings. Here we go. Teddy Hart gets a good uh, start. He's, um, he's a good wrestler, and I, I do want to point that out, because he is a good wrestler that you've never seen, because he has a reputation for being a trash person. Yeah, he, um, um it's, it's, and it's very apparent in this match, uh, but Teddy Hart is the kind of wrestler who just needs to, doesn't matter if he wins, doesn't matter if he loses, he needs to get his spots in. He's gotta get his shit in. He's gotta get his shit in, and he has a reputation for burning bridges when he goes to work for companies, because... He doesn't sell. He goes and he does a shooting star press or whatever, and they don't want to hire him again. Speaking of which, um... (laughs) Here comes a flying nothing moonsault from Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart's first spot, the first spot of this match, is a flying moonsault that lands nowhere near Just Incredible for Just Incredible to wind up, hit him with the super kick, go into the cover, one, two, and a kick out. Uh, We do get some more crotch chops from Just Incredible. Proud of you, ECW, Mm -hmm, ECW. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so we get a back and forth here. Uh, we get a springboard moonsault by Teddy Hart. Looks nice. That's two moonsaults, by the way, in 30 seconds. If you're keeping track, which... And, of course, we are. Commentary makes a note that they need to pace themselves. Uh, more, I guess? In, more indicative of the, uh, the, the state of the match than it needed to be, I think. Although I do like that they mention that. Like, that's a, a surprising bit of psychology from commentary. As we know, the contracts won't be lowered six inches until... 
ten people have come in. So I okay, would, fine. That's not fair. surprising. I would call it a fluke of psychology I, from the occurring announcers. I think, uh, next, th- we're introduced to chaos. Number three. Uh, the very needy two-time XPW champion <laughs> with the finisher move. Um, we're going to make this probably the thumbnail of the episode. It's, you can help us pronounce this. Cow's trophy? Cow's trophy? It's the chaos trophy. It's a bad pun. Um, it, I, I, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Shame on you. He demonstrates that he's not only bad at naming moves, but also wrestling, apparently, because he runs in and is immediately double-teamed by Teddy Hart and Just Incredible. Beautiful capture DDT by Teddy Hart. I love DDTs. Which is, I mean, okay, Teddy, you get one. You get one, fine. Teddy Hart takes out Chaos. He has to get a shit in, so he goes up. Just Incredible puts Chaos in that kind of backbreaker assist thing where he's got him on his knee. Teddy Hart hits a shooting star press. That's three. It looks good. That's three. Number four, our first surprise entrant into the WSX uh, Rumble is Lucha Underground color commentator Vampiro. <laughs> and that's that's not entirely fair because he is decorated. He's, He's listed, among other things, as an NWA champion, WCW champion. That's true. It's fair to say that he's one of the most decorated people in WSX right now, he's he's been there, he's done that, he's wrestled all around the world, he's definitely earned his marks, and he's an established veteran. I would I would give him the moniker of Lucha Legends, I think. He is he's been around for a long time and he did a lot. Now, on the flip side, you'll come to realize that there are certain issues, I will say, with the talent choices. Um we haven't got through all of them yet, um, so we can't really talk about them yet. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to know, I think at this point you had mentioned that Delirious from Ring of Honor had been approached. Yeah, so Delirious was approached for Wrestling Society X. Um, and he would have been a great match for this kind of high-flying, fast-paced. Sure. If you've seen Delirious's work before, it, it would have been great. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there was an exclusivity problem, so he wasn't able to join up. That's just a fun fact, I guess. Vampiro is clearing house. He gives a choke slam to Teddy Hart. Nice choke slam. And number five... It's a commercial break! Ah, the much lauded, uh. <laughs> much lauded indie wrestler commercial break. Um, so we come back, uh, from the commercial break to save time. They do a recap of what happened in the span of however many minutes they decided to cut from this <laughs> because they thought they were taping an hour episode. For, now, now, by the way, for, for us, this was like two seconds. So this was, again, time collapsing in the arena. <laughs> Um, in reality, this would be like four minutes of commercials, so fine. Number five entry is Puma. Uh, Puma is uh, a masked WWE future cruiserweight champion, TJ Perkins. Uh, TJ Perkins enters the arena as Puma, gets into the ring, and is immediately thrown into a table. Rip. Um, number six uh, looks like a powerhouse named Alcatraz. This guy has been in PWG before, and he's made his stake in the indie ring he comes in and the episode picks up right as he gets into the action now by the way alcatraz i didn't recognize him i looked him up uh he was in pwg in 2003 2004 that time frame as al catraz like mr catraz which is a bad name (laughs) mr catraz why were you seen in the hamptons with a different woman don't you talk to me like that detective (laughs) stupid Stupid, stupid, Mr. Catraz. Bad name. Mr. Catraz. Shame on you. 
Uh, yeah, so he, he kind of semi-retired after Wrestling Society X. He came back in 2012. He's on the indies, anyways. Just as he gets in a slingshot, shoulder check to Vampiro, we have number seven... Six pot! Six pot! Make some noise! Oh my god! That was spot on! Uh, it better be, I did that take three times. Six times uh, WWF and WCW champion. Now, again, that's being a little uh, generous. Fast and loose with the titles, yeah. Uh, he was a WCW Cruiserweight champion, I believe. He was a WWF European champion. And he was a tag I think team he was an Intercontinental, yeah, and tag team champion, Kane. And probably DX, actually. But I, I don't know why they didn't just say that. I think that would have been a lot more impressive to say, like, yeah, this dude's won, like, four or five different titles. But Speaking whatever. of DX, they do name drop DX. Um, good for them. Good Again, f- that's kind of, like, the Heart Dungeon. Like, everybody knows what DX is. Even if you weren't into wrestling, you knew Suck It. You knew the crotch chops. And keeping in line with that devil-may-care attitude, <laughs> Teddy Hart gets thrown into the corner. Here comes Six Puck with the... Bronco Buster. Here it is. A lot of crotch action tonight on Wrestling Society X. And we get this little nugget from uh, Chris Kloss, who's going to make you throw up. Here's the Bronco Buster. Dude, I do that with the wife every night. Stay cool. <laughs> 2006 and TV. <laughs> um, after a brief 45-second uh, intro, we have number eight. Uh, Chris Hamrick. Followed immediately by what the fuck is number nine New Jack doing here? And it's just like, it's two <laughs> seconds. Two seconds after Hamrick comes out. Here comes New Jack. <laughs> Barreling in. He's beating down Hamrick. And I guess that's his official entrance, right? Yeah. He's in the match. He, I mean, his music plays. So that is 45. That's two seconds. Um, okay. So New Jack throws Hamrick into the ring. He's by the way, he's wearing a really nice uh, stylish airbrush jumpsuit. Only the only the finest. Only the finest for our favorite New John. New John. New John. Um, they have uh, their they have their back and forth. Uh, New Jack is giving him the business. It's a nice clothesline. It's a great clothesline. Um, at this point, the booking whoever booked this match just told everyone to go to a corner and like make out or something because <laughs> everyone's like up here like this grappling doing some kind of catch thing so that Hamrick and New Jack can have their spots. And they do that in, like, the Royal Rumble, but they're better about it. Uh, so Hamrick, in probably my favorite segment of the entire episode, <laughs> gets Irish whipped by New Jack over the top rope facing the tables. And instead of, like... Getting in the ring? Strang- yeah, struggling to get back in the ring or doing something even slightly more compelling, Hamrick turns to the camera... Gets back up to his feet and does tap, tap, tap on his forehead like he's just executed a brilliant joke. My master plan his to master not plan. fall through the tables. Um, all the while, New Jack is, he comes off the rope and like barrels into Hamrick, who un- unsurprisingly goes in front first into a table, eliminating him from the match. That wily New Jack that wily saw through Hamrick's ruse of not falling off the ring. And he wasn't done yet because <laughs> he had another wily At this plan. point, New Jack takes a hop over the top rope, jumps down out of the ring, thereby eliminating himself. The referee was trying to get in his face, like, you've been eliminated, you gotta go, you gotta go to the locker room, let's go, come on. Now, I, d- I do want to interrupt here. New Jack, he's a big dude. He's not tall. He's not like Kevin Nash or, 
you know, big show where they can just step over the top rope. Like, that took energy. <laughs> he, just... he went out of his way to go over the top rope. So good for him, I guess. <laughs> he was done with the match. So, New Jack finds a guitar. I mean, that's um, his shtick. He's... They're both back in the ring. He plays his guitar a little bit. And then he animal houses it and just decks it over the top of Hits his the kabong. Um, the ref has been brutally maimed. Yes. In WSX canon. They're calling for the EMTs. Luckily, new referees kind of just materialize out of thin air. They've got gloves to make sure he's okay. Yep. So New Jack, we're going to follow New Jack for a while. Other stuff is happening. There's <laughs> other things happening. There are other entrants coming in. We're just going to focus on New Jack here because we're still in what the fuck is New Jack doing here. I think we're perennially in what the fuck is New Jack doing here. <laughs> for as long as he's in WSX. So New Jack comes back out of the ring, picks Hambrick up, and they have a few spots at ringside. They set up another table, and Hamrick gets put onto the table. Now, rewinding about 15 or 20 seconds, we have some back and forth with Chaos and Alcatraz. Alcatraz, Irish whips, Chaos over the top rope. He kind of struggles and Chaos kind of sticks. on. Sticks his butt out like he's trying to do like a porn shoot. Yeah, like, like he's trying to get the hole. Like the buffalo shot? The buffalo shot. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's there. He's He's, he's got, got the it. booty. He's got the booty. Uh, Alcatraz <laughs> comes off the rope, tries to go over to give him another shoulder check or something. Chaos pulls down the rope. Uh, and he crotches so, him. Crotches him with the top rope. So uh, Alcatraz is hanging there. And I want, you to, I want you to understand, the shot is framed so that Chaos <laughs> has the rope. Alcatraz is going... Oh, my, my pee-pee and my testy. He's hanging there. New Jack and Hamrick are doing their spot. Hamrick is on the table. Yep. Gives him a punch. The next cut... Jump cut. ...is New Jack climbing on a structure above the ring, like where Jack Evans lives. And you hear the announce team go, Where is New Jack going? Where is New Jack going? <laughs> Which is unbelievable. That, like, nobody at Viacom saw this footage and was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that that's fine. We're, that, we can do that. No. No, you can't. Have, you can take time to do one establishing shot of New Jack climbing onto literally anything. You will, let, we'll come back to this in a we'll second, We'll come back to this. This is still Just going on. We're going to go back to the other parallel timeline. Yeah, so those of you listening to this podcast, first off, thank you. This sounds disjointed because it is. There are two spots going on, like huge high spots in this match. And at the same time, we have an elimination going on. We haven't even seen it yet. We'll get to that. But yeah, so we see the shot. New Jack is climbing up. He, he's climbing into Jack Evans' home, I believe. Yes. He's slightly above ground level. So meanwhile, while New Jack is coming up, uh, someone comes in to help Alcatraz. It took us like six passes to get this. Uh, it's Luke a.k.a. Luke Hawks, who we haven't seen yet. He is Alcatraz's tag partner. He's coming to save him. We see a quick shot of New Jack, who has completed climbing. I'm proud of him. He's he's standing up there now. He's, he's like, elevated. He's ready to do the spot. But first... First, we need to get to this spot. Hawks backdrops Chaos into the live electrical wires. Almost. He doesn't quite. Uh, they hit kind of the lip of the box. And you can tell, because they jump cut from this backdrop to this backdrop 
immediately with the post-production, like, electrical, like, and the camera shaking, and the, the cheap sound effects, and it's just... Now, now, Gabriel, you have some experience in movies. Yes. I don't have any experience. My understanding is that you should not jump cut from one subject to the same subject. <laughs> because it looks so bad. If you need to see this, I, we can't, we can't do it justice. It's so bad. It's the worst. It's so bad. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> oh my god. So, 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 Luke Hawks and Chaos are both dead, I guess. They've been electrocuted in this giant, the amount of explosion that we saw from this box, probably they would have been vaporized in real life. Uh, and we do see, it's like, it's tough to see through all the post-production smoke that there's like, there's like a leg hanging out in somebody's yeah. arm. And... So Chaos, for all intents and purposes, is eliminated he's, from the match. Yeah, he's, he's done. He didn't hit the floor, but I think he he's fine. Immediately after this, or while this is happening, New Jack, from an uncharacteristic 10 feet above the table... It's uncharacteristic because it's only 10 feet. It's only 10 feet. <laughs> New Jack does an elbow drop onto the table... Uh, they're looks, done. It looks pretty good. Yeah, they're both done. So at this point, immediately, Vampiro super kicks Alcatraz off the ring through a table. They're done. This is kind of like Chekhov's ring decorations. Like, if it's there, someone's going to go through it. Teddy Hart goes for a Tornado DDT. At this point, we have Just Incredible, we have Vampiro, we have Six Pack, and we have Teddy Hart. And we have number 10. It's Youth Suicide! <laughs> With perhaps a, the most killer of trilbies. It's, it's not a fedora. It's a trilby. It's a trilby, Mom. Uh, so, Gabriel, I'm told by Wrestling Society X's PowerPoint slide for Youth Suicide... Yes. ...that he has some titles associated with him. Uh, what is that title? His title is First Professional Match. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> In the pilot episode of Wrestling Society X, Deathmatch Wrestler Youth Suicide has decided to make his professional debut in the WSX Rumble, and he comes out with a bucket. It's a bucket. It's like a spit bucket. Now, other things to uh, keep in mind, uh, this this individual was trained by legendary Deathmatch Wrestler Supreme, so you know that he's going to go on to do something. But we'll see. Let's see what he's got going on here. So, Youth Suicide's out. Teddy Hart is backdropped over the rope into a table by Vampiro. He does make a point to do a backflip here, so that's five. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Good night, sweet. Um, everyone is in at this point, so here come the ladders. The contracts are lowered very slightly. And I now the contracts are in play. Youth Suicide, before doing a professional wrestling move in his first professional wrestling match as a professional wrestler, <laughs> dumps his bucket into the ring and it's thumbtacks. It's thumbtacks. He's a deathmatch wrestler. Just Incredible comes from behind. Youth Suicide puts the bucket on his head and kicks him in the ding-dong. Guess he'd been playing a little bit of Skyrim there. That's something <laughs> you do to, like, steal, uh, like, a, a precious artifact from a shop. Yeah. That's not a that's not a wrestling move. That's a comedy bit. It is effective, though, I guess, because he goes right for the ladder. He hits a nice Larian on six-pack, actually. Six-pack. Yeah. Six-pack. Six-pack, I'm sorry. It's, you gotta get the, you gotta, ah. the, you gotta get the, the line underneath to show that it's long. Six-pack! Make some noise! <laughs> Vampiro appears to be stuck in his shirt. It looks like maybe he tried to take it off. 
Yeah, he like stuck. there's like a weird shot where he like fumbles around with his shirt, and it's like, what are you doing there, buddy? And he gives up because the next shot, he is wearing the shirt. <laughs> um, he gets yet suicide into a powerbomb position, into the tax. There's some audible screams from Yutsu suicide, but none of the tacks stuck. My understanding is that actually can hurt worse because they're dull. Oh yeah, I don't know that for sure. That's I've heard that. I mean, either way, it's it's something that you don't want to experience, and you can tell that because Youth Suicide, in all of his pain and his suffering, throws away his hat. <laughs> the one defining feature of his gimmick, and he just tosses it away because he can't handle the dull thumbtacks. Uh, so, after Youth Suicide throws his hat, X-Pac gets, uh, Six-Pac, TM, 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 uh, gets the contract, kind of out of nowhere, goodbye Six-Pac. He's, he's gonna be in the main event of episode two, we're uh-huh. back in the ring with Youth Suicide, Just Incredible, and Vampiro. At this point, Zack Wilde of Black Label Society has had enough. He hasn't said anything for a few minutes, and he leaves. He gets up, they make a point to say, Bye, Zack! Thanks, Goodbye. thanks for coming! It's nice to see you. So Just Incredible puts him back into the tax, like puts his face into it, I guess for getting in a move on him. Again, they don't stick. <sighs> Commentary makes a point of saying that he has tax on his face, which is not true, but... Uh, so, okay. Youth Suicide goes to climb up the same ladder that Sixpack had gotten, so now there's no contract there. He doesn't know it because he's got the tax in his eyes, which is a neat spot. I actually like that. Uh, and then Just Incredible takes the time <laughs> to take the ladder and push it, forcing Youth Suicide to go into the fencing with the explosives attached to it. Somebody paid a lot of money for, like, Adobe After Effects to get these effects. We get some camera shaking, we get all sorts of explosions and camera effects. Like, everything from the electrical wires just enhanced by, like, maybe three or four times. We actually get some smoke added in in post, which you you caught it and I didn't. It actually the looked pretty good. The smoke is added in post-production for both spots. It's absolutely just, just like, low-budget, exactly what it sets out to do. So, you know, we had... A first-timer, a first-time professional wrestler in this match, I say we grade his performance. Let's do it. It's time to introduce our new segment, Let's Grade Your Performance. (laughs) So in today's episode, we're going to take a look at Youth Suicide in his performance uh, as a first-time professional wrestler. We are evaluating Youth Suicide's first professional wrestling match. Yes. How we did. So let's uh, let's do a compliment sandwich here. Let's start with the good. He did have a match on TV. He had a tire. <laughs> he had music. He didn't screw up. He's not like Maven who eliminated the Undertaker and got thrown into a popcorn machine. Yeah, you like know. he 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 meets the requirements for being a standard professional wrestler and you know, he didn't get a big head about it and he did it he as he was told. He hit all of his spots and he did what he needed to do. Good. So good for him. Um one downside, uh he's been murdered. He's, he's now dead, uh, which is not a great way to end your first match. Not a good way to, to, to leave an impression, uh, if that impression is that you are dead. Yeah. Um, um, he did fall on some thumbtacks. That's not great. I mean, that's, that can be put in with the, the plus, sort of, sort of a plus minus. Not really sure. Falling on the thumbtacks? Yeah. He's a deathmatch wrestler. I guess that's good that he did that. I did have in my notes that he kept the hat on the entire time, but again, he did lose it. He did, he threw it away. So he that's said, too bad. I don't need this character. I have thumbtacks in my arm. Also, my face. Yeah. So, do you think that throwing the trilby led to his untimely demise directly? 
It's really hard to say. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, you know they, how they say that having insulators is a good way to stop electricity from coursing through your body. Mm-hmm. I think having the hat on may have absorbed some of oh. that electrical impact. Do you think, like, the, the brim might have protected him from some of the C4 he fell into? Like, all of that edge, just the edginess of his trilby. Yeah. Uh, that really transcends into his character. Um, I think that scientist Deathwish, as soon as he threw that. Um, so, with all that in mind, what would you grade his performance, Gabriel? Um, upon further review of the positives and the negatives, I would give this a solid grade of... He died. He died. He died. It's not a great grade, I'm going to be honest. In sort of a where-are-they-now retrospective, we did look up the future matches of Youth Suicide, because he did go on to do some other stuff. He wrestled, we, we ran the math, he's wrestled about two matches a year on average. 25 matches, including the WSX Rumble. Which puts him on par with, like, The Undertaker 2013 and forward. Just, like, the consistency of matches. Which is appropriate, because he's dead. Um... <laughs> And he, he came back to life, presumably, to do this. His record is a 10-12-3. and 3. He has a losing record. Uh, most of them are losing death matches, which isn't great. I'm not... I wouldn't want to be in a death match we, either way. We were looking up on cagematch.de. Oh, yeah. Let's... Um, he, took, he took some time. So we looked it up. The next match that he wrestled was in October 2006. And it was against Carnage and Youth Suicide Lost. Which is fitting, because the stipulation of this match... Just reads, death. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably this is a death match, but uh, cage match doesn't have the word match. Um, so it's just... It's like if you said ladder or uh, last man standing. It just says death. So maybe he was resurrected and then he died again. Just because, you know, it was so great the first time. It is worth mentioning he also has death three-way, four-way death, tag team death, no ropes barbed wire death, and UEW Tag Team Title Death. And Triple Threat. So, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Um, he has a career, and I'm proud of him. I love him. So... We will never see him again. He is dead in canon. That is <laughs> our grade of that performance. Uh, that concludes the segment. So, we are down to the final two. For the last contract for the main event of the next episode of WSX, we have Vampiro and Just Incredible. There's a kick from Just Incredible. Audience reaction... Is supposed to be like, cause, cause Vampiro gets turned inside out. It's like one of those, he does a full flip kicks. Mm-hmm. And they cut to a plant in the audience who reacts like in a comedy movie when like the girl slaps the other girl and she's like, leave my man alone. <laughs> and he's just like, wow. You know, like that, that an impressed that, fan impressed. after this big boot. So both of them at this point climb the ladder, which is not under the contract. It's, um, it's kind of, but it's, it's there's clearly in favor of Vampiro. Yeah, one of them is climbing the ladder under the contract, and the other one is just incredible. Um, so there's this big build-up. They climb the ladder. Vampiro is the only one who can blatantly reach it. He grabs it. He pulls it free. Just as the ladder is being pulled, so he dangles from the chain for a little bit, and it, as it shows him hitting the ramp, Big Vision Productions MTV roll credits. That is the end <laughs> of the episode. Now... I think we have differing opinions on this because 19 minutes and counting, they have they have to make every second count. And do is there enough coming from that celebration that we were going to see that it's worth spending that time? 
there wasn't enough. Because mm-hmm. there's there's an there was another angle to it. There was he, the ladder was being pushed. Who pushed the ladder? Who pushed the ladder? Why did the explosion happen after? In in the second episode, we'll we'll cover this in the second episode. Um, there's a a brief flashback of Vampiro winning the belts, and there's like like a cut to another post production explosion after, and that is never explained. But ultimately, I think they just it was too little to leave us on, and I think that that really served against it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> we made it to the end. So, Gabe, you you didn't watch this in 2006. This no. is your first time watching it, going through this. What do you think of episode one? It is... He is shaking his head. <sighs> it's so much more than I thought it was going to be. Because I watched a lot of MTV as a kid. I watched, like, Maid, and I watched uh, Room Raiders, and Date My Mom, and The One Next. I watched a lot of those MTV dating shows. So I was familiar with the production budget that they had. I did not think it would be to such great heights that they fly in terms of just being so out-fucking-rageous. <laughs> I need to see more. Yeah. This was... When I was watching this in 2006, this was so different from what I was watching. Like, this was the Ruthless Aggression era. When it's kind of... I want to say gritty, almost. WWF, WWE. Yeah, because they were, they were still shaking off the Attitude Era. I think they were still trying to find their footing. This was really different. That's not to say it was good. If you watch this and you think the wrestling is good, you may be misinformed. Coming out of Ruthless Aggression, where it's like Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero, and they're having... A sick match. You know, it's it's yeah. awesome, but not everything has to be that 40-minute Triple H psychology fest. You know, that sort of stuff is good, but you don't necessarily want to watch it all the time. Sometimes you want, you call it popcorn wrestling. Yeah, sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and watch some dudes flip around for a while, and then you want to watch a guy explode and die, and then you want to hear some gross shit. Well, Maybe not that last part. I don't. But. Yeah, I don't want to hear the gross shit, but I do want to watch Jack Evans do a 630. That was cool. That was so sick. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will get back with the second episode. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Don't go away. Hey, everybody. This is Gabriel here. Um, thank you for listening to WrestleBoy Social Explosion. This is the first of a five-episode planned series. Um, we're going to try and do two episodes per episode, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, right now we just need to get the air conditioning going just to cool off the room again. Uh, I just wanted to take some time. If you like what you hear, if you think this has any semblance of potential, to just leave us a nice review on iTunes, even if it's not nice, because you're wrestling fans. I know I've, I spend a lot of time on Squared Circle. I know how mean wrestling fans can get. Uh, so even if it's just like, oh, you don't have any chemistry, like, just, just leave us a review. Um, as we plan more and more retrospectives and other projects, um, it would help us to kind of get some feedback and maybe even a nice word or two along the way. Um, so thank you for taking the time to check us out. We're kind of new at this, so um, we're going to throw it back for episode two of Wrestling Society X. Stay tuned. And we are back. We begin episode two with an unceremonious introduction, with a blatant disregard for continuity as we go back through the same intro spiel moving pictures, we got the creepy dude trying to sell us drugs, and now we have a bouncer. I guess after the first episode, maybe they're trying to keep the police out because I think three people died. Ah, uh, yes. Well, only one in Canada, to be fair. So so there's a, there's a bouncer. They can only prove one died. Yes. <laughs> 
And the bouncer lets us back in. We are introduced once again to Chris Kloss, who's still wacky, and Brett Ernst, who still doesn't know where he is. Tonight's musical guest, we have 3-6 Mafia. Now, you have to understand that this is right after their 2005 Oscar win for Best Original Song, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp, from the film Hustle and Flow. So they're riding a pretty big PR wave. It's kind of fading out a little bit. They get booked for this Wrestling Society X gig that they have very little interest in, as we'll come <laughs> to find with just about all of our musical guests. They do try to eat the camera as they come in. Yes. I don't know if that was Juicy J. No, that was not Juicy J. It was his plus one um, who tries to eat the camera. He's got his grills out. He goes, hung, 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 hung. And then he goes to sit back down. And we are back with Baby and Kaylin. Welcome to Wrestling Society X! Get ready, because tonight we set the wrestling world on fire! Uh, we are introduced to the first of a whopping three matches for the night. 19 minutes. This is a singles match between XPW Deathmatch champion Luke Hawks, who we were introduced to in episode one. Well, we weren't introduced to him. We're being introduced to him now. We saw him. Formally introduced. We saw him put the work in on Chaos so that Alcatraz could get the elimination. Up against Human Tornado. Human Tornado. So he's, first off, he's introduced as he's standing in what appears to be Juliet's balcony. (laughs) Like maybe Romeo is downstairs trying to woo him. Human Tornado. And they they don't explain this in the show, which is kind of a bummer because it's important. His gimmick is that he is a pimp... With testicles made of steel. Not like balls of steel, but literally his, his his testicles are made of metal. And he spins a lot. And he spins a lot. Because he's the human tornado and he's got to spin. I also should mention that Luke Cox's entrance is the first licensed piece of music. I believe it is a song by the hardcore band Comeback Kid, who are very good, which makes this stand out in an otherwise bad product. So, uh... Thanks, MTV, for supporting your your product with all those music licenses you have. <laughs> the match begins. We note that the referee is wearing a bowling shirt. He looks like he's finishing up refereeing and then going down to the bowling alley. Hawks comes in with a test of strength. Tornado does a little, like... He does the thing where he does the wave and then it travels through Hawks and he's upset. Oh, uh, okay. It's a little yeah. thing. Uh, Hawks immediately tries a pop-up dick punt. Uh, and fails because the human tornado has balls of steel. So he just kind of stands there and looks just like, oh, did something happen? And then he responds with, hmm, 2006 MTV. It's a pimp slap. It's a pimp it's slap. It's a pimp slap. Hawks hits a nice T-bone suplex, hits an enzigiri. Tornado is definitely the crowd favorite, at least in the post-editing. Yeah, they But that's did. kind of his shtick, There's a tornado chant. Tornado hits a hurricane rana over the, the ropes. Very, very impressive. Hits a um, baseball slide drop kick through the first rope, and then hits a front flip senton over the top, over the barricade. He hits easily ten feet. Um, we it's, have, and this isn't like a slingshot. He runs and jumps ten feet and does a front flip senton. It's, it's phenomenal. It's great. It's actually the best spot in the episode. Juicy J is impressed because he says this. Man, that little skinny dude can move, man, like a noodle, man. Oh, wait a minute. Thank you, Juicy J. Thank you, Juicy J. Thank you, Juicy J. After that, they get back in the ring. Hux hits a nice back heel kick. There's a woman cheering in the audience. They kind of cut to her. Which, I mean, 
the last time any of us saw that move, it was the chick kick. It's the chick kick or the Mick kick. It's Mickey James. So the it kind of kind of is ironic that they would use this kick and then cut to a woman jumping up and down, cheering as if you know her her son has just won. The... Finally, we have reached equality. <laughs> <laughs> Gender equality is real. Tornado hits a trap. Hits a beautiful tornado DDT. Um, it's his name, so you know that's his finisher. That's it. One, two, three. Or at least we have to take their word for it because we don't see the ref count. No, we don't. It's He's a out of very, frame. it's a very super awkward close up of the pin, the cover, and you hear the referee do one, two, three. Nobody counts because this is not a crowd of wrestling fans. They right. don't know. They don't think to count. Um, um, I get the impression the film crew doesn't really know how to film wrestling because there's stuff like this. We didn't mention it, but in the first episode, they're trying to make a shot of like Vampiro grabbing that contract and they can't find the contract they don't shoot it yeah correctly. it's like not the focal point of the shot when it's the most important part of the match it's just like i understand it's hard to find because they couldn't afford the suitcase they're but... doing a good job they're just they just don't know how to shoot a wrestling show. right and, and yeah it's not that they're bad they just they don't get it coming in after is aguilera runs in beats down on luke cox uh here comes alcatraz we have all sorts of run-in here comes chaos it's been like six seconds after the match, by the way, and we've had three run-ins. Tornado vacates the premises. He's done. Chaos sets up a table. Aguilera puts Alcatraz through the table. Or tries to, anyway. Because Aguilera, as we find out, was flirting with somebody in with the With a audience. mamacita. With a mamacita. They didn't see Luke Cox, but Chaos through the table. Uh, so Aguilera's kind of upset. He, he looks disappointed in himself, maybe. And that's that. That's the end of Lots that Lots of match. run-ins. This is getting back to what I said earlier about Jack Evans and Matt Seidel. They do a really good job of establishing a story. Not maybe in the sense they were expecting in modern WWE. I mean, it's good guy versus bad guy. That's that's right. straightforward. Well, but like here, these run-ins are... It's, it's very overbooked. This sets up a match next week. We're going to see this match, and I believe it's going to be a tables match. Like, they, they know what they're doing. We then transition to M-Dog 20 and Teddy Hart... Teddy Hart is billed as the best in Canada. M-Dog, a.k.a. Matt Cross, is billed as the best in America. They're called The Filth and The Fury. Now, Gabriel, important question. Um, okay. Which one is The Filth and which one is The Fury? I don't feel comfortable answering that <laughs> question, Zach. Hey, listener. Single listener that we're going to have on this first episode. <laughs> what do you think? They um, are billed as a top tag team. The match is introduced as two teams that the Filth and the Fury will be looking to dominate in the future, which doesn't bode well for either team in this match. We have that 70s team, the team of Disco Machine and Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan, Joey in 2006. Um, he's very good. If you're, if you're the type of person that listens to a wrestling podcast about an obscure wrestling show that died after a year, you probably know who Joey Ryan is. Uh, he didn't have that much chest hair at the time. So. Yeah, it was it was a little kind. Of, it was kind of sad to watch, but he does have a great stash. It's he's a great character. I love the work that he does. He does good in this match. They are up against the equally impressive Team Dragon Gate of Horiguchi and Yoshino. And we've already we've already talked them up a little bit. Coming from Osaka, representing Dragon Gate, so good. Yoshino is like. The fastest thing it's in, I've it's ever incredible. Seen. It looks like the tape is fast forwarded, like no exaggeration. By the way, I didn't know who Disco Machine was. He is one of the founders of Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Oh, interesting. He's one of the. I think there were like eight of them. I wish I knew more about Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I don't that's, follow that's PWG. Fine. 
So at this point, that 70s team comes out. <laughs> the ref has to stand on a stepladder. It's a step. It's got like three steps. To hold up a disco ball so that disco machine can be a disco machine so underneath good. the disco ball. It's so, so good. It's... I love this team so much. So the match begins. We have some intense back and forth spots. Joey Ryan and Horiguchi lock up. Get a, a knuckle lock and some actually pretty decent catch wrestling. Some catch wrestling Which... on a not wrestling wrestling show. Yeah, with seeing kind of all these spot fests and everything we've been watching... It's it's a, a nice change of pace, I guess. Horiguchi tags to Yoshino. Yoshino does is insanely fast. So fast. Does a great drop kick. Juicy J comes in with yet another gem. They had a quick stir frat. They quick quick. <laughs> Good, great, thanks. 2006 on TV. Da, 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 da. Um, Disco Machine takes that nasty drop kick. Tags out to Joey Ryan. Yoshino whips Joey Ryan. Misses some chops. Joey Ryan is running back and forth. And Man. as he goes into the drop kick to try and end the kind of sequence that they have going that you would see in maybe a WWE match, Yoshino, a brilliant move, he... Steps to hard camera. Steps towards hard cameras, gets out of the way of the drop kick. Joey Ryan looks like an idiot. Yoshino makes a pose. It's... It's, it's, it's so such, good. It's such a good spot. Joey Ryan, and this is like comedy wrestling, I guess. Yeah, this the, is... That 70s team is a goofy team. Well, Dragon Gate is also inherently comedy wrestling as well, because right. they're, they're full of spots. Joey Ryan, at this point, has been running back and forth a few times. He looks super winded. He calls for an inhaler from Disco Machine. Disco Machine hands the man an inhaler. Um, which seems to be kind of a heel move based on commentary's reaction. Looks like Joey Ryan's signaling for a little breather here. What is this? Asking the Disco Machine to throw him an inhaler? What? Joey has asthma. See, what you guys forget, that in the 70s, they never took the asbestos off the walls. And Joey is a victim of asbestos. Commentary makes a weirdly deep cut about asbestos in the 70s. Which is super weird. Like, you get your Studio 54 joke and that's fine. Asbestos was a major problem in infrastructure in the 1970s. A lot of people were having breathing trouble because of it. Not something you would see on an MTV show about wrestling. Mm. So, at this point... Joey Ryan uses the inhaler, feels better, goes to tie up with Yoshino, and kind of waves him off and tags into Disco Machine. Disco Machine swivels the hips. He is a Disco Machine, after all. They hit a double team. They hit a really nice drop-toe-hold, drop-kick combo. Yoshino goes for a sunset flip. Horiguchi kind of comes in and tries to help. Disco Machine ends up doing a little swivel. Does some more swiveling. Again, with the crotch stuff in this show, it's it's sending a lot of implications here. Yeah, wrestling. That's a two-count from Disco Machine. Drops the elbow. Both of them tag. Sunset flip. Reveals the choice ass of Joey Ryan, oh who is wearing a very Just thin pants black is, Poor Joey Ryan gets pantsed, and that ass is out there for the world to see. And it's... Mm. Sling Blade by Yoshino. Uh, that's a two-count broken up by Disco Machine. Horage Gucci throws Disco Machine out. Slingshot Plancha, which looks nice. Joey Ryan counters a head scissors from Yoshino into a Tilt-A-Whirl Slam, uh, which is for a two-count... Disco Machine Horiguchi are outside. 70 super kick from Joey Ryan. One, two, three. Your winners are that 70s team. Um, good the, match. Good match. Horiguchi and Yoshino are upset. The obvious plant in the audience <laughs> is upset. Yoshino barges into the ring, takes the disco ball that they're celebrating with. Don't again. do it! 
and smashes no! it on the ground. Oh. He smashes it. What and a... The, the disco... Disco is dead. Disco is dead. Disco died with that ball. A Pyrrhic victory for that 70s team. They've won, but, like, I mean, at what cost <laughs> if they've angered Team Dragon Gate to the point where they can't disco anymore? We segue into a promo for the Trailer Park Boys, and this is, like, the oh, first full-length feature promo that you would get for an introduction to a team. Uh, we are introduced to White Trash Johnny Webb, who sits in a white lawn chair in front of a trailer. Former pro wrestling champion, I guess? We're, we're told. Um, Allegedly. He goes into some detail regarding familial issues. Apparently he has, uh, like, bastard children or something. He's mm-hmm. got, he had a... He had sex with a woman, and now she, he has kids that she, he didn't know about. His brother, Josh Raymond, comes in. I think it's his brother. It might be. It might be the redneck tradition to call him his cousin. Mm-hmm. One was dating the other's mom. It's like a really weird, stilted back and forth that ends with like a really abrupt and awkward scuffle between the two. So we can tell that there was an attempt at comedy, but I think we're going to need to take a little bit of a closer look. So it's time for our segment, Let's Grade That Performance. Let's grade the performance of the first segment. Like, the first bona fide, not 10-second segment from Wrestling Society X. Why don't you start us off with some of the positives? Let's compliment Sandwich. Johnny Webb did some good acting at the beginning. I think he did a good job delivering his little monologue about why he needs to be wrestling and why he needs to be winning. He's got kind of the jaded... I've served my nickel redneck attitude, uh, which I think serves well for the character. There's a great Photoshop of the two kids <laughs> that are grown up now. He mentions that they're grown up and they're 25 years old, don't have jobs. It's very clear that Josh Raymond and Johnny Webb understand their characters. They, they get it. They understand exactly what they're going for, um, and that's executed. Poorly. Poorly. So... They understand their characters. Unfortunately, their characters are really bad. Like, there's just... They have nothing to work with. Their writing is bad. No joke lands even remotely. There's no energy to it. We're not invested in these characters that are just kind of mumbling at each other. They look like two dudes who are about to be interviewed, (laughs) like, about a tornado that overturned the local farm. So, compliment sandwich. End end it on on a high note. mm, End it on a high note. They set the hoop low. They they took the hoop. They in the, in the front yard. You they're know the playing one. with one of those Fisher Price basketball hoops, and they have to they have to like bring the lever up, and it kind of tilts forward because of the momentum of weight shifting. Yeah, but they managed to set the hoop exactly where they needed to, right at the top there, the five foot mark, and they fucking dunked on it. They they their characters are bad, and they managed to. Do exactly what they needed to do, which is be bad, I guess. What would you give the final grade that everything is said and done for this performance? I'm going to give the Trailer Park Boys in their first promo a final grade of a five-foot dunk. Get dunked on. Get dunked. LeBron playing with a Fisher-Price basketball hoop. So that's that's, uh, the grade for that performance. Let's move on to our main event. Holy shit, it's a title match. It's the first... WSX Championship match, the inaugural WSX Champion. So, I, did, I do want to make a note here, because I, I looked something up while we were watching. 
They don't do the WWE thing where the referee presents the belt. Yes. Or at least not to the they, camera. They, like, hold it up. Fabian Kalin has the belt, and he's doing his whole, I can't stand still, and I'm very energetic, and I can't punch a wall, so I'm just gonna storm around. And he's holding the belt, and he's not showing it to hard camera. He's just kind of, like, circling around and yelling at people and going up at the ring post, and nobody can see what yeah. the belt looks like. So, I, I was watching, and I, I thought, oh, I, I wish I could see what this belt looked like. Um, and I googled it. I typed in WSX title belt. Oh, God. The first image that came up was the smoking skull belt. <laughs> um, and the second image that came up was the smoking skull belt. And I said, Stop! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I. It turns out that's actually the belt. Oh no! And I'm going to put this up wherever we put the podcast up. I'm going to put up a picture of the WSX title, and I'm going to put up a picture of Steve Austin's Smoking Skull WWF Championship. And you may not be able to tell them apart. It. I. They maybe they hired the same person to do it. I don't know. It's phenomenal. It's. Uninspired is what um, it is. It is uninspired, but one of the obvious plants in the audience is very inspired. He looks like he is bashing his head against an invisible countertop on the other side of the guardrail. Yeah. Like, he's, maybe he's trying to get some water out of his ear. He's, like, front row at Metallica. Yeah. Just, like, he's, he's, head banging yeah. to nothing. Um, so, our mid-event, Vampiro versus Six-Pack for the inaugural WSX Championship. Six-Pack entering from... The mystery stairs! I don't know where the stairs came from. Where did the stairs come from? He was watching from, from, like, the box. And he is competing against Vampiro, who is billed from the deepest depths of hell, which in reality appears to be a smoke machine in the back of the arena. And they cut to, like, an aerial shot, and it just, like, is behind the set. So you see, like, five or six different crew people making sure that they have the proper shot set up as he goes through. You see, like, the boom guy and the camera guy and, like, the lighting guy. And it's, like, very... It's supposed to be, like, a peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. Only the curtain is made of, like, the semi-transparent shower curtain stuff, so you <laughs> can already see it. So Vampiro comes in. We get a quick recap. And by quick, I mean a second-and-a-half recap of Sixpack getting the contract. Vampiro spits... What is presumed to be blood? In the spirit of standards and practices, do you remember, well, you weren't watching at the time, WWF, The Brood, Gangrel, and Edge and Christian. Gangrel oh, yeah. always had that mysterious red liquid. Oh, yeah. Because they definitely weren't vampires, because that, that would be satanic. That would be satanic, So, yeah. it's, it's a mysterious red liquid, let's say. Uh, Gabriel was kind enough to point out that at this point, we had five and one half minutes remaining in the episode for, for the a title match. At this point, they've pointed out that a casket has materialized at ringside. Yeah, he wasn't uh, there when they I, entered. There's a very half-baked explanation as to why it's there. While we were gone, this casket was brought to ringside, a signature of Vampiro's dating back many years. Well, Brad, perhaps it's an attempt to get inside the head of his opponent tonight, Sixpack. And here we go. It's Chekhov's uh, spot again. Mm -hmm. If we see it, it'll be involved for some reason. There's a stare down, not quite in the middle of the ring. It's kind of off to the side. Intense enough for Juicy J to give this, this line. As one big white dude, you do not want to meet that ass. I actually do want to meet Vampiro. I, I, I generally don't want to meet anybody in an alley, but I would love to meet him. He seems like a cool dude. Yeah. So here we go. Here we, we go. Ding, ding, ding. 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 X-Pac, immediately after the mysterious red liquid spot, spits water in the face of Vampiro. Strategic error from Vampiro to, to use up the mysterious red liquid. Who is it? Uh, Tajiri? 
Tajiri. Tajiri yeah. would be very disappointed. He would be very disappointed. <laughs> um, there's some back and forth. Vampiro shows his strength by Sixpack being unable to whip him. Vampiro gets a headbutt and a big boot for a two count. Vampiro goes for a, a, a Rana, a Hurricane Rana, which, for a man of his stature... Yeah, he's a tall dude. He's, he's deceptively large. And he does have that Lucha background. We said earlier, he's, like, very well decorated in Lucha Libre. He goes for that Rana. Sixpac goes for a powerbomb for two. Sixpac calls for the Bronco Buster. There it is. Ugh. I hate this spot. It's noise. Goes for the Bronco Buster again. Goes to the wall one too many times. Vampiro tries a choke slam, doesn't quite get it, but does hit a nasty big boot. And it's at this point it's important to understand that both men are, they're older, they're gassed, they're done. Yeah, they're... They have, I mean, Vampiro is still, he has the talent to pull out the spots that he needs to pull out, but they're largely, like, not able to continue. Yeah. Vampiro does hit a nice choke slam, hits a corkscrew sent on, well, it doesn't hit it, but goes for it, which, again, super cool. X-Pac hits him with a dropkick, sends him to the floor. Hits a front flip sent on to outside. Again, two count on the outside. The outside. So this is... At this point, I was like, why are they pinning him outside the ring? There was nowhere that stipulated that this was a false count anywhere match. Yeah, they... Commentary doesn't discuss it. They, they I mean, don't they make do. a note. They do. They mention that there's no mats in WSX and it's all concrete, but like... They don't say that it's a false... Maybe everything's false count anywhere. I that could just be like just the wacky, crazy nature of WSX. They'll never know. We'll never we'll know. We'll never know. X-Pac throws Vampiro into what appears to be some WSX-branded bubble wrap rolls. Commentary again, getting on the mic to say... All this destruction that's already here, making a bigger mess of this mess we're in. And these fans the, have... the carnage caused by these two men will make the mess of the WSX arena more messy than it already is. Which, like, if you count, like, two big things of bubble wrap being moved slightly and a barricade being moved out of the way a mess. Like, they had to clean up a corpse last week. I, I think they can deal with that. Yeah. The audience is definitely concerned. It doesn't look like they're enjoying the match. They're kind of, like, grimacing and looking away. Sixpac tries to Bronco Buster Vampiro into the post. Vampiro lifts him dick first. He and Bronco Busts the post. Owie. Ouch. My PPN testy. Vampiro sets up a table outside. Sixpac clotheslines Vampiro uh, with a nasty lariat. Sixpot goes up to the top. He looks like he's going to do some sort of dive from the top rope through the table on the floor. Vampiro won't have any of that. Gets up. Sixpot hits a nasty tornado DDT from the top rope through the table. Looks, very nice. Looks very good. Uh, two count. Oops. X-Pac whips Vampiro into the corner in the ring. Hits the six-factor, a.k.a. the X-Factor. Sixpot hits similar to but legally distinct from the X-Factor. Two count. X-Pac... Brings Vampiro to the apron. Vampiro hits a low blow, which makes it three for the match. We weren't counting. There's so many... There's so many... Dick-based offense. Dick-based offense. Clap, 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 clap. She calls it the front view. Vampiro hits his finisher, which is a tombstone pile driver, a move I love very much, into the casket. The casket explodes! <laughs> Surprise! It's an explosion! Um, it is unclear at this point, thanks to all the post-production smoke, yes. who has won the match. The referee comes down. Does a three count anyway? But who won? It's Vampiro who would be on top after a tombstone pile driver. We are relying on the audience not to know how a pile driver works, I guess. At this point, he's taking the time to chew up a nice blood capsule. He's got blood running down the, the front of his mouth. He holds up the belt. He gets a long seven-second celebration. 
And then we hit the credits. The episode has ended with our first WSX champion, Vampiro. Zach, what did you think? Not a bad match. I know I, I keep saying, like, the wrestling isn't great, but it's fine. It's It was suitable. It's I think. fast. It was... <laughs> There's no selling, but it's okay. What did you think of the episode? We got three matches in, and they were all pretty good. I think, yeah, I think this was taped sometime after... The first episode, you know, you take you take some time away from a pilot. The production company says, yes, we'll do the episode. And then you go back to do nine more over the span of, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think this is Big Vision learning from their mistakes the first time, being able to, you know, properly edit in some... This was, this was much cleaner of an edit, I think, than the first one. That's interesting. I didn't think of that, but that, that makes sense. They've had some time to be like, okay, we kind of get it. There's the establishment shot of, of 3-6 Mafia with one of them biting at the camera. There is, you know, some proper introduction of of, of the recap of, oh, well, this is who won the, the championship match. The editing is a lot cleaner. So it's it's clear that the show has improved upon some of its mistakes. Whoever is writing this show needs to get their laptop put through a steamroller or something (laughs) like this is it's it's so miserable to hear all of these fed lines that have are just so bad even for 2006 mtv standards like it's just so painful to sit there and listen to i mean from the not even from the trailer park boys sequence to like what they obviously told juicy j to say yeah the stuff that they told brett ernst to haphazardly mumble because he's still not sure where he is. Like, it's so painful. Like, turn the volume off if you're watching this show. And yeah. you'll get uh, roughly the amount of information you'll need than with the volume on. Turn it on for Fabian Kalen, though. No, leave it Leave it high volume. Let the entire neighborhood hear the the wretched cries of Fabian Kalen. You know what you could do that would help this, this, this show? Loop Fabian Kalen throughout the entire thing. Like New Jack and Natural Born Killers during his match? Yeah. Just do that. And then just, I mean, you could have, like, voiceover commentary for some of the match. But, like, just, just, just give Fabian, just give Fabian more screen time. <laughs> he's the, he's the best thing going for you right now. So, let me ask you this, because I know you've only seen these two episodes at this point. Yes. You are, you are watching this as we go. I've seen at least a little more of it. What are you excited to see? I'm excited to see, obviously, I'm a big Seth Rollins fan. I'm excited to see that brand. I mean, there, he's in Ring of Honor at this point, so he's obviously got that style to bring in. Very exciting brand of wrestling Ring of Honor has going. I'm also excited to see what other mid-2000s uh, musical acts that they're able to procure for this show. Because 3-6 Mafia makes sense, Black Label Society less so. I do not know. I have not looked at the rest of... Of the musical acts, I do not know what the rest of the show is going to look like. I'm going completely blind into it. So, yeah, that's it. I think that's our first episode of WrestleBoy Social Explosion. Again, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll put some links into the description for you to check those out to verify our sources, obviously. I've been the man that brevity forgot, Gabriel Clark. I have been Simply Zalp. Zach Blaze. Zach Blaze. Zach Blaze. Thank you very much for listening. We're not sure where the next episode will come out, but we will start researching for episodes three and four very soon. Until then, this has been the fallout of the Russell Boy Social Explosion. Thank you. Goodbye.
Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey there, this is Zach coming to you live from the recording bay in the WSX shelter. I'd like to credit the people who helped to make this podcast possible. First, our theme song is Organism, originally by the Ernie's and arranged by yours truly, Zach Blaze. One of the sound effects you heard during this podcast, Siren.Wave, was brought to you by I Fart in Your General Direction, great username, at freesound.org. You also heard Schoolbell.Wave by Penska Stranska Michaela, also on freesound.org. Our break music is Just Nasty by Kevin McLeod. Our end music is Retro Future Nasty by Kevin McLeod. And the music I'm talking over right now is Retro Future Clean by Kevin McLeod, all of which can be found on Incompetech.com. All of these sounds are licensed under Creative Commons by the Attribution 3.0 license. You can learn more about it at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by by slash 3.0. I do want to credit the Attitude Era podcast for that make some noise bit that I did. Uh, one of my favorite wrestling podcasts. Definitely listen to them if you haven't before. Uh, they do a retroactive review of all of the Attitude Era pay-per-views. They're now going over some of WWE's attempts to kind of capitalize on that. I definitely recommend it. Uh, if you'd like to find us on social media, you can go to facebook.com slash WrestleboySocialX. That's facebook.com slash W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-O-Y-S-O-C-I-A-L-X. Please leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or Bandcamp or wherever this ends up going. We haven't figured it out yet. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to get all of your stars and thumbs up and whatever it is you have to give to us. That's everything I have this time. Once again, I've been Zach. He was Gabriel. We'll see you next time.